What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Thursday. Welcome to the show, Danny Canel, Rajah Bell. What What do you want to chime in? You want to make fun of me about something? I, I, I wanted to wait because I wanted to make sure this actually came to fruition before I congratulated you on it. What? No hump day yesterday. I know. I did. Was that a concern? No, I was going to actually like tease it to you, say, what day no. is it? I was going to give you that one. No hump but day. But I didn't. Uh, I'm yeah, trying to refrain. mix it up. No, I appreciate that. Constructive criticism oh. is a part of our business. It might have been a crutch, like something no, I do no. every Wednesday. Oh, I got a lot of crutches. I know, exactly. Like I, I'll say, look. Like If I'm going to give an opinion, I'll say, look. Like Look here. I do that sometimes. I say a yup a lot to you. I notice my own crutches. Like right. I, I'll listen sometimes and I'm just cringing like, oh my God. Somebody gave me a secret. Uh, my dad actually, he didn't give me this one, but when I was in college, when I first started getting more national interviews yep. on TV, he told me, he's like, you're saying um too much. And it was like, like I would, if I would get asked a question, I would say, yeah. um, you know, it's just you thinking. Sure. You're sure. In between, it's just a natural crutch. A little buffer. He told me or- about it. Yeah. So I made a concerted effort, tried to eradicate myself. When I first started in radio, a guy that I was working with said, if you have a crutch, if you have something you do, a word, something like that, you write it on a piece of paper, that word or phrase or whatever it is, and then you actually take a pen and you cross it off. Really? And like seeing that will help you kind of mentally That's an interesting cross trick. it off. I mean, there's all kind of little mind games. I have a like paper full of little words that I <laughs> yes, have to cross Exactly. Off. <laughs> uh, we got a fun show lined up, ton to get to, including Team USA lost just this morning. A disaster there. Emery Hunt's going to join us in about 15 minutes to get his picks for the weekend. A rough start for our boy Emery in week one, but bounced back pretty nicely. Yeah. And uh, Kobe Bryant, we want to dive into him as he's coaching you sports, something we're very passionate about. He took some heat for something I thought was ridiculous. Uh-huh. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. I did want to kind of start off because of basketballs in the scene. I want to get to Team USA in just a second, but I also wanted to kind of finish off something that Kevin Durant said in the article uh, that he had with the Wall Street Journal. We talked a lot about the relationship with the Warriors, some other stuff in that one, but he had, we talk about what is choking in sports a lot. What is being clutch? What does it mean to come up in a big situation? And when Katie was asked, I thought it was the one thing that I actually liked about Kevin Durant in that article is there was a whole lot not to like. But when he talked about his mindset of choking, he was asked what it's like to choke in a game. And yeah. Kevin Durant said, quote, I've never choked. I was like, well, hold on a second. He's missed some shots before. Sure. You know, he's had moments where he's maybe missed a free throw in a clutch position. But he continued, I will always shoot the ball. Choking is not shooting the ball. Well, that was his point. If I miss, it's not my fault. It's the environment or somebody else's fault. Choking is not shooting. And I thought that was a great mindset to have if you are a player, if you have a child that plays. Because, you know, I tell my daughters all the time, like, you should want to step up in that moment. And you clearly are not going to make 100% of them. Right. And really what those misses come from sometimes, I think when choking is when you hesitate. Yes. When you're thinking, you're man, I don't know if I'm it. supposed to be in this. If you're a three-point shooter and it kicks out to you and you're thinking, well, should I pass it or, oh, I'm just going to shoot it. Like right. the hesitation, I think, leads to that choking. So I love the mindset of choking that's not wanting it. You want to take that shot. I love that mindset. Well, I do too. And then you have, you have to have that. I would say though that I, I don't, um, define choking the same way he does. I, I agree that you're not going to make all of those shots, but I would define it kind of the way you just did. Just shooting the shot isn't uh, a non-choke. Shooting it with confidence is a non-choke. There are plenty of people that will squeeze the shot, but to your point, they're hesitant. 
Um, they're not really confident about it. They kind of got the yips on it. I would still, that's still chokish to me. Stepping up with, with no fear whatsoever and letting it rip, um, like KD does, like, like MJ, like Kobe, that, like those, they don't choke. Now they miss because percentages are what they are. No one makes everything. But shooting it confidently and having that unequivocal belief that it's going in the hole. And if it doesn't, it, it, it will next time. Like th- those, those, that's not choking. When you were in your NBA career, when you were on the court, would you say your mindset, and I'm sure it varied at different points of your sure. career, but when you were at your most confident and there was a game winning situation, I wanted the ball. You did. And that was not, my job was not to, um, get the ball in the last minutes of games. Usually my, 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 the ball would come to me in most instances once you couldn't get yours or, you know, or Amari couldn't get his shot or Steve Nash couldn't get his shot. I was there to support. So if it wound up coming to me, I had to be ready to knock down those shots. I always wanted that ball. Like now, what about early? Like, what was no. the changing point? Like, was it just time, more shots that you made? Well, like in, you in, felt like you wanted in college in and in high school. I always wanted the ball. That my job was to close games. Um, and it's an interesting dynamic because when you get to the pros, you still want to do that. And then your confidence starts to take a hit when when it doesn't work for you for a while, and you're sitting on somebody's bench, and you know they don't have the same confidence in you that the last guy had in you, and now you start to really second guess yourself, and so. There was a point in Philadelphia, Danny, where I, I couldn't even enter the ball to the post cleanly because I was so unconfident, right? And people could see that and they fed off of that. And I was, you know, I was really a shell of a player. I had to be rehabbed as a, as a, as a, as a person to some degree because I was really broke. Um, and then I went to Europe for a little while and I came back to the Mavs and I started to build that up again. And somewhere in my, in my first go around with Utah, when Jerry started to entrust me with having the ball in my hands and empower me to shoot the ball, um, and I hit a game winner in a preseason game against Seattle, and I started to kind of get that feeling and that confidence back, like, no, 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 I'm supposed to do this. And then by the time I got to, to, to Phoenix, and Mike D'Antoni helped with a lot with that, I wanted the ball. Like, it, I prayed that someone else couldn't get a shot up. <laughs> right. I remember, because I, I was thinking about this, like when I was younger – when I was in Little League, you know, like I wanted to be. And I, rem- I remember being the on deck circle with two outs, games on the line. And I was, and if a kid in front of me made it out, I was ticked. I'm right. Like, Man, I would have had that chance. I would have yeah. won the game. High school, same thing. Football, same way in high school. College, early, took some time. But at my senior year, I was like, man, we need a ball. NFL, I don't know if I ever got to a point where I really felt like, all right, I want the ball in my hands. For the fourth quarter drive. I think that's why I wasn't very good. And I never got to that point where the confidence was instilled in me or I didn't believe in myself. Yeah. Where I got to that point, I think that was a real hindrance to me. I didn't have the mindset. Going back, I'm like, what was the big deal? Like, who cares if you screw up? But at the time, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get, but I get benched, I get cut. That's and in tough. the back end of my career, I'm like, man, I, you know, I, I, it's money, like your survival to extend your career. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely think if you're a coach or a parent, instill that confidence as much as you can so that there is a belief so the the player isn't scared to take that shot now you might have to fake that with some younger players sure. like and you have to instill that belief and hope that they come through but you've got to try to figure out that dynamic because it's a very unique thing to it, sport. it really is and we had a conversation about ben simmons and his jump shot right and even Giannis. and i always say and people don't always understand what i'm saying about i don't care if they make them i want to see you shoot them and i want to see you shoot them without any reservation we're talking about the same thing there, right? Like you're talking about getting over the hurdle of having any anxiety about shooting that ball. It's the first hurdle you have to clear. Once you're getting rid of that, now you can start to really uh, develop confidence in, in whatever mechanics you've worked on. 
But if you're always going to be apprehensive about doing it for fear of failure, you're never going to be able to do it um, effectively. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is always young players, old players. When you're when you're trying to develop confidence, the first thing you need to do is get rid of the reservation or the fear of the failure, man. You got to just go after it. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of choking, <laughs> Team USA basketball <laughs> well was on this done. morning, and Joey actually gave it to me. He actually <laughs> gave me that transition, and I was able to use it. Uh, Team USA was playing this morning. Joey actually g chatted me this morning. He's like, "Hey." He's like, uh, Team USA is about to lose again. Hey. This was my hunch. I thought this team wants no, they don't want anything more to do with FIBA World Cup. They want to get home. I don't think they want to be playing anymore, but it does like, it starts to raise the question. All right. What does this mean for Team USA basketball? Um, I think a lot of it is motivation. I don't think they want to be there. They still have to play again for a seventh place game, which I didn't yeah. even know existed. You talk about giving participation trophies. Uh, do you think it's that? I also you don't. I disagree. You think they're not very good. I, I, all of those play. There's no one on that team that didn't want to be there. The guys that didn't want to be even there. for a fifth place game. I get when they want to be there while they're playing for the title. But once oh they get yes bounced, no once you that's lose, my thing. once it's you like, lose a game, um, there is there is some of like oh, okay we can't win the gold, but you're still playing for country. And you're still playing for fifth or fourth rather than sixth or seventh. So, you know, there's got to be some pride still attached to that. Yeah, I would, I would give you, you know, there probably is an element of some of those guys are like, Oh, this sucks, man. We were not, we don't get to play for gold, but you're representing the country and that's a terrible look. The Serbia is a good team. I, we said yesterday, I was like, I think they'll probably lose to Serbia. Serbia was a favorite possibly coming into the event. So that's not a huge shocker shocker, but it's a terrible look for them to go. You know, oh, and two in their last two games, and they still got another game to play. Yeah, yeah, and Raja, I think to your point that you've made a few times about this being the C team. You know, I watched the last four games. I watched the game against Turkey, but the thing that really stuck out to me these last four games is even in two thousand two, when they lost back to back games, this is the last time they lost back to back games, they had Paul Pierce, who's the yeah. third leading scorer in the NBA. There was probably nobody in the tournament better than him. Three of the last four games, the best player on the floor was on the other team. Rudy Gobert, Giannis, Nikola Jokic. I don't think there's ever been a USA team that can say that. And you know, I mean, I know the international game is different, but we talk about this all the time. If you have the best player on the floor, you have a chance to win. So if they don't have at least – give me a James Harden. Give me an Anthony yeah. Davis. Give me somebody who can win you a game. These yeah. guys, this is just never going to cut it. I, you, I, I agree with you 100%, Joe. We talk about during the NBA season a lot, guys and dudes – they got a bunch of guys. They need a dude. They, they need the dude. And, you know, to your point, when you talk about that team that, that, that lost, um, you all, you also had names like Baron Davis, who quite possibly was better than most of the players on any other team. Um, Jermaine O'Neal, who was a, was, 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 um, a perennial all-star. You had a lot of names like that. Elton Brand, like those, those are, were household names in the NBA and would get you 35 and 40 points on any given night. Like, the rest of the world has closed the gap on um, American basketball. And so if we're not going to get our best players, their best players are going to beat our C players. Not, maybe not all the time, but on any given night, they can beat you. And those, those in FIBA is a completely different game than in the NBA. You know what's funny? I'm just going to hijack this segment. I work with high school kids. Yep. Um, the way we've been brainwashed to see the game of basketball uh, through all of our highlights and everybody else's highlights um, – through all of the 
personal trainers, which is just this billion dollar industry, million dollar industry. Now I don't know what the, the numbers are like. These guys will grab your kid for, you know, $45 an hour. They'll take him out back, put him through a thousand step backs in between the leg crossover spin dribbles. Um, we've been conditioned to play the game the way the NBA game is played. That's not real basketball. It's entertainment basketball. Now it's at a high level and there's some phenomenal stuff going on there. But the rest of the world doesn't play the game like that. Just to, just to make sure I'm clear on this, the, the, the NBA game is more individual, isolation, individual skills. Where Correct. The, the international it, game is more about running a system, ball movement, absolutely. getting everybody involved. You want to see NBA, you want to see individual players do really cool individual stuff. And that is entertaining. I love to watch it. But these are like even high school basketball, you know, it's more the better teams are playing together as a unit. They're setting screens. They're, you know, they're slipping screens. They're, they're running effective pick and rolls. They're doing, you know, they're doing, you know, more basketball system is what you would call it when you were in Europe. It's all about the system. It's all about the system. And they're learning to play like that. Um, and the rules in FIBA support that because they, they're not giving those guys 20 free throws a game like you get to see in the NBA after you dance on the ball for 15 seconds and go to the rim. And so when you drop your C level team in there, um, and they're not accustomed to playing the way that FIBA um, teams play. And it's not ref the same way. You're going to lose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think one the one other thing that stuck out to me about these last few games, at least the last three or four, is uh, even with the C team, play with effort. And I know the best players don't want to go. So, and Danny, you mentioned it, and Raja, you mentioned it. These guys don't care about the World Cup. I mean... If you're not going to care, don't go. Don't be on the team. Everyone just drop out. Bring other guys who care because, look, they out-rebounded the entire – they led the, the, the tournament in rebounding, but in three of the last four games, they got outscored in second-chance points. That's effort. I mean, they just looked like the other teams were trying harder in every game. Yeah. Um... He's like, but I totally understand that. If you're a player, Donovan Mitchell, some, like you're making millions of dollars playing the NBA – I get you want to represent your country and you kind of add it to your resume. It's kind of cool to be a part of uh, Team USA basketball. But wouldn't you want to hold your energy and your effort for – I'm with Joey there. The Don't bills? go. Don't right, go. Me too. Don't go. Me too. That's why I'm saying Team USA, they might have said, all right, well, we're not going to get LeBron and KD. But KD's obviously hurt. But the, the top-tier players, so we're going to go to the C group. Maybe they need to actually go find the guys that really want to be there. They might even need to impress – in Team USA basketball to get a job in the NBA or to keep a job in the I've, NBA. I've always felt that Team like team USA, and they can get away with it because your great players are so great that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They've never really built teams. Like they've like thrown a bunch of all-stars out there, and they go win, and you're good enough to do that, so uh, I'll support it. But when you're when you're talking about like a, a C-level team or your, your third choices, you got to be very selective about building with an energy guy. Like he might not be able to knock down shots, but man, you know, every night he's going to give you great energy. Uh, uh, you know, different pieces to fill different, you know, to check different boxes to build a, a really good team. And, and I still don't know that they've done that with this roster. A lot of duplication across that roster of guys that do the same type of things. Uh, you know, you brought up a really interesting. I was going to ask you this coming into the segment. You said the gap is closing yeah. with the NBA and the international, which is exactly what the NBA wanted, which is a good sure, thing. It's globalized. It to be global. Right. You had the MVP, Giannis, international. You had Luca, the rookie of the year. Sure. Look at the Toronto Raptors roster, bunch yes. of international players. Look at the Spurs teams, bunch of inter- like it has 
it's come full circle. Like the NBA wanted this and it is global and it's a good thing because they wanted a global brand. But I think you're seeing some of that play out actually on the court and some of the rosters in the NBA. And it'll be interesting to see if it continues to, to, to move that direction. We, we have to make an effort. Like seriously, we have to make an effort in our basketball uh, culture to at least teach the, the, the fundamental way the game is supposed to be played. Just because the NBA plays in heavy ISO situations doesn't mean you should go to EYBL games and that's all you see. Right. That's not, it's not a healthy way to teach young people to play basketball. Teach them how to play the game itself. Then you can get their skill level to a point where if they ever make the NBA, they've got those individual skills. But don't just teach them to rely on the individual skills because when they go to a place where they got to run a system, like in college, 99% of the universities they go to, they'll have to know how to do certain things system-wise, yep. and they can't do it. You failed them. But instead, we got you know the conversation about one and dones. Guys want to skip college altogether. And internationally, they're playing in academies where yes. they're groomed to play this style of basketball, and it translates when they come over. So right. something to keep an eye on for sure is that uh, changes. All right. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell hanging out on this Thursday. Our buddy Emery Hunt's going to join us right now. Who I was like, we kind of let it go under the radar. Nah, Struggled the nah, first week, nobody worried but about then that. bam comes right back, perfect on. The, I just undersell that one. <laughs> Oversell the six and zero oh last week was perfect on his picks. Was absolutely on fire. Called the Ravens. That was the that was probably the easiest one of the week. But also had the Chiefs over the Jaguars. Had the Texans covering. Uh, in that, uh, great game on Monday night, you had the Liberty at Louisiana. We accused them of being a homer on that one. El- like all these picks, stellar across the board. So no pressure or anything, Emery, but you've set the bar. Now you got people listening. Now they're going to put their hard earned money on the line. Let's start it off with a Thursday night football matchup. Panthers, Bucks. Our boy Jameis, my man's got to come back, but also Cam Newton has to have a bounce back too. What do you think unfolds in this game? I think we'll see a defensive battle. Quietly, the Bucks' defense was outstanding in that game against San Francisco. So was Carolina in limiting what Jared Goff could do. But I think the Panthers have more than enough offense. I can trust Cam Newton right now more so than Jameis Winston. So I would say lay the points with the Panthers. Okay. All right. Let's move on to Sunday. We got the Chargers at Detroit laying two and a half. The Chargers at Detroit. Detroit's offense Took their foot off the gas against Arizona. They're facing a much better defense this time around against Los Angeles. So lay the points with the Chargers. I think they take care of business, even without Hunter Henry, even without Melvin Gordon. All right, pretty low expectations for the Giants coming into this season. The Bills got their win coming back, scoring 1,700 unanswered points against the Jets in week one. The Giants are playing in Buffalo as a a one-and-a-half-point dog. Who do you like in this one? I can't imagine having Barry Sanders in the backfield and only giving him the football five times. We saw that last week against the Cowboys with Saquon Barkley and the Giants offense. I don't think that'll happen this week. Plus, Josh Allen is still a bit too inconsistent for my taste. Turned the ball over four times last week against the Jets. Take the Giants in the points in this ballgame. They'll avoid the 0-2 start. Okay. All right. Let's move on. We got Virginia creeping into the top 25 this week in college football. 
FSU with a very sketchy one and one. Don't do it. Um, we got Virginia's giving up seven and a half. What's this look like to you, Emory? I'm sorry, Dan. You may want to cover your ears for this one, but you got to lay all, all the points with Virginia in this ball game. I don't know what's going on with the Seminoles. They've allowed two games to go by with, with them being in trouble, and I think this game won't even be close. Lay all the points with Virginia. Watch out. Jim uh, Levitt brought in as a defensive analyst for the Seminoles. Obviously, he can't go out there and tackle those, so I don't know if might be on the side of that one. Uh, Oklahoma. This line actually jumped out to me because I was like, man, everybody should hammer Oklahoma. 24 favorite uh, against UCLA, and it's not really – Jalen Hurts has been awesome, but it's not about them. It's how bad UCLA has been. Are you on board with me on this one with Oklahoma? Yeah, I'm definitely on board. Lay all the points with Oklahoma. Their defense, I thought, has been quietly the story of the season. They're playing much better defensive football, and we know that's a problem if you have a defense in the Big 12 because you are king in that conference. So Jalen Hurts and that defense will take care of business against the Bruins. All right, let's get to Bama and South Carolina. South Carolina quietly like one of the toughest schedules in college football this year. They lost their quarterback uh, with a hurt foot. Bama's laying 25 at South Carolina. Normally, I would stay away from Alabama in big numbers against the spread, but they're facing a very young quarterback, a freshman quarterback, uh, this weekend in the Gamecocks QB. So I would say lay the points with Alabama. It'll be a slow blowout for the Crimson Tide. It's never too early to talk to Heisman. Joe Burrow was the big mover after his game uh, in Texas. He went, he went from two hundred one to like five to one. So I like I liked him at two hundred one, five to one. I don't think there's any value there. I don't love any of the favorites from a value standpoint. Anybody that you think is kind of flying under the radar as far as the Heisman goes. The running back position, obviously, you look at Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. If he posts back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons, which hasn't been done since Troy Davis did it at Iowa State, you can put him on that list on that plane to New York. And also DeAndre Swift. He's going to have those splash plays as you get into the meat of the conference schedule. So I would say the two running backs, DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, would be guys to keep an eye on in this Heisman race. All right, every time we see you, typically you're wearing some Louisiana gear, repping your Raging Cajun, but we understand there's more of a sentimental reason today more than most. Yeah, we lost one of our best, our, our true Raging Cajuns in Lynn Williams, the longtime equipment manager, and now the equipment room bears his name. And so we're all wearing these shirts that has LW on the left sleeve right there for Lynn Williams. His family has been great to not only me, but everyone that comes in contact with the university. And it's a sad seen to to not see him there because every time you talk to someone that's affiliated with the Raging Cajun program or the university, everyone always asks, how's Big Lynn doing? What's up with Big Lynn? And he's no longer there. So my heart goes out to the Williams family. I know his brother Kyle very well, his family very well. And Lynn has been great to me, has been great to the program, and he'll sorely be missed. And the Cajuns will be wearing these uh, LW patches on the helmet all season long. Very cool. Very cool that you're repping him on our show today. Uh, uh, shout out to his family and, uh, we'll keep them in our thoughts and prayers. Outstanding. Good stuff as always, Emery. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Uh, so he was talking about Big Lynn as equipment manager there. Yeah. He was at Louisiana. I don't know about you. My, like, equipment managers were always like my, my favorite people around the locker room. Yep. Like, all of it. Like, they're always just, they're not there for the money. Right. They're there for the relationships. Like, they're doing the dirty work, and they're sometimes the most underappreciated, but they're always, like, really good people. They are good know? people. Everywhere I've been, I went to two universities and a bunch of teams, and they're always, like, salt-of-the-earth type of people, man. Good people to be around, just genuine. Absolutely. Yeah. So, cool. Louisiana's going to go out there and honor him with uh, wearing those initials on their shirts. Uh, let's move on. Thursday night football. So, we have, uh, as Joey has dubbed it in our rundown, the battle of struggling quarterbacks. Yeah. Obviously, at different points in their career, Cam yeah. Newton has an MVP under his belt and a Super Bowl appearance. 
Jameis Winston, I think, is playing for his job. That's not any bold statement. It's very clear this season was, hey, Bruce Arians was brought in there specifically for Jameis to rehab his playing career, to take him to that next level, because Tampa has to make a decision. Is he the quarterback of the future? Jameis has not been able to stop making the really boneheaded throws. And it goes back to his last year at Florida State. Um, He just... He tries to do too much, and right. it, hap- it happens all throughout his career, and it happened in their week one loss. He threw two pick sixes, including one with a game they had a chance to drive the length of the field and possibly come back. And a lot of times, the one that we're seeing on film here is just a forced ball. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when things go bad, that's actually that's not even uh, yeah, on no, him. Uh, that's the yes. receiver going right through his hands. Other ones, this one's a quick throw. Again, another receiver falls down. But the last one he threw, he was trying to throw a screen pass. And he's trying to make this heroic circus-type throw. Sometimes just throw it away or eat it. And I still think that's something that Jameis has really struggled learning that lesson. If he doesn't learn it soon, maybe even tonight, he's not going to be the quarterback of the Bucs not much longer. You know what happens? Like you just referenced two that might not have been his fault. When, when you have a history of throwing it away and you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore, you know, and that's where you're at with, with Jameis. I, in his defense, um, up until now with Bruce Arians and the jury's kind of still out on what Bruce is going to do there offensively, there's been very little balance for his offenses. They, they don't run the ball very well. Um, and you always talk about a young quarterback, especially the young ones, their best friends or their running game, their running backs, yep. trying to take some of the load off of their shoulders. He wasn't ever afforded the, that opportunity really in the pros. The problem is he's got the history going back to college. Even though he was good, he still gave the ball away a lot. And yeah. you, you were able to kind of, because you had talent around you, overcome that. Um, I would imagine both of these teams, I'm sure you're going to touch on Cam in a second, at the executive level, they're having conversations around identifying the next guy, even in Cam's situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a Cam fan too, and I know you are. But I think you're at a point now where you have to at least have the conversation about, hey, if it continues just injury-wise from Cam's perspective, yep. Jameis for performance reasons, but if we continue on these trajectories uh, respectively, what's what's plan B? What, where are we going next? And and I think it's prudent that they have those conversations in both places. Yeah, Tampa obviously I think would go through the draft. They might be saying, hey, Tua Tonga-Valoa is coming out of Bama. Maybe we take him, Justin Herbert, whatever quarterback it is. I think they would look to the future. You mentioned the running game. I think that's why Tampa was pegged as a possible trade partner uh, in the Melvin Gordon right. holdout. Like, cause that would have been a perfect solution to give him that benefit. Other uh, they don't make the deal and it's there. So a critical game for, uh, for Jameis Winston. Also for Cam Newton. Now, Cam, like you mentioned, I'm, I am a fan. I think he's the most naturally gifted quarterback in the NFL from a arm strength, mobility, size, all of it. I think he is insanely talented. What frustrates me somewhat is that I don't see him putting, paying attention to the details of his craft that it takes to be that great player. Right. Like I, it's somewhat joking, somewhat serious. If Cam Newton would put as much effort into his craft as he does to his wardrobe, he would be off the charts as far as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Seriously. You, you he puts more. Wardrobe, no, but it's seriously. Like he does. He worries more about what he's going to wear in his post-game interview than he is about offseason. Like spend time working on your fundamentals, working on your footwork, work, studying the playbook so much so yeah. that you don't have to rely on your body so much. Now, some of the toll it's taken on his body is not his fault, um, but – it would he could protect himself somewhat by knowing where to throw the ball at times. Um, 
he, he had a very bizarre uh, press conference. I don't know, I'm sure you've seen the look. Um, <laughs> I saw the look. You know what I took away from that press conference? And I know he was kind well, hold of Hold on. Let's, let's get some sound from oh. it because there were some things to take away from yeah. it. But let's hear some sound from Cam Newton as he was addressing the media yesterday. Well, it just depends on which pass. So my last year passed and a couple years passed, but, you know, the fountain of youth. Um, yeah, but everything's good, man. I'm, a, I'm getting tired of being hurt, man. I just, I hate being hurt. I hate being hurt. All right, so when he says, I hate being hurt there at the end, Everybody's antennas go up because of what we saw happen with Andrew Luck. Sure. Andrew Luck didn't like it's very sounded almost awkwardly oddly familiar. It did. Yeah. He looked he looked like a guy who was tired there. Mm-hmm. Like mentally, physically, you've only played one game this year. Right. Everything about his body language was like ugh. it just looked like the grind had gotten to him. So I took that away from it. Do we have more sound? Is that our only clip, Joe, or is there one more? That's it. That's the one. Because there was it was a kind of a bizarre like he's a he's an interesting kind of bizarre guy. I mean yeah. the style is not only there, the way he handles his press conference sometimes, I think it's just it's unique. Yeah. I think sometimes he's really extremely honest. Other times I think he, you know, tries to play a part almost. I don't it's hard to describe the way he, you know, kind of goes about his business. He's a unique guy. Um but I do think the body language wasn't something you like and he's I think it does come to a point where if you've made a hundred plus, which he has made, you start wondering, okay, you've made enough money. You're talking about being exhausted. And as you referenced, it's only after one game. Like, how much longer are we going to get a Cam Newton? Right. And I think it's a, I don't think that's a hot take. I think that is a rational discussion to have in 2019 about the NFL, about that position. If you've been banged up as much as he had, as many surgeries, I think if you're the Panthers, you're not thinking, Hey, how does he play? You're thinking, Where's his mind? Right. Is he, he going to come back? I don't think that's a certainty. No, like you have to, you're, I forget when this was. And we asked the question about like, when does North, when does, when does Carolina start to make that plan mm-hmm. and, and have that backup for Cam? And, and, um, you know, it's your job is to make sure that your, the health of your franchise is intact, even when Cam, whether it's because of injury or just plain retirement or whenever the situation takes place that you are prepared to have his successor kind of take over the range. You know, mm-hmm. there was another quote in his press conference. I watched it and they asked him about his arm strength and he was saying, my arm strength is fine. Um, he started talking about the coach and whether or not, or the OC and whether or not Christian McCaffrey was on his fantasy team. Um, alluding to like the, the Christian was getting the ball a lot. And so that's why he wasn't really pushing it down the field. Uh, and he said it kind of tongue in cheek. He was joking. Yeah. But do you think that there's any part of him that harbors just a little resentment for all the attention that Christian McCaffrey gets? Cause Cam, if anything, hear me out. If anything, like when you come up there dressed like Cam's dressed and you're, you, you know, there's a little peacocking that goes on. A with that, lot right? of peacock. He and, loves being in the center. And of he was the center of attention in Carolina for a long time. And whether it's because of injury or because of, you know, lack of attention to detail, whatever, or that just the Christian McCaffrey is just pretty damn good. Yeah. He's not the center of attention anymore. I'm just asking. I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger and saying that it's the case. Do you think he harbors any? It's, it's a, a, the other thought that I had watching that press conference was like, huh, he, that's a little weird. Like, well, it sounds like, you know, I know he's joking about that, but within every joke, there's a shred of truth. Absolutely. You know, there's also a shred of me that says when he does some of these bizarre press conferences that he knows we're all going to talk about it. Same thing with his clothes. Right. And Christian McCaffrey has been talked about as a possible MVP, you know, dark horse candidate because he is an incredible running back. It's an interesting, like, I do think maybe even if it's 
subconsciously I'm telling you, dude, I think I, there's something Cam Newton is a, I'm carrying a unique guy. That's the only way I can describe him. And I do think a lot of that is driven by attention. He does a lot of stuff off the field. Some great stuff. My daughter's love is showing Nickelodeon. Like sure. he does some really good stuff. Um, but it's just bizarre. I don't, Hopefully he gets things back on track because when he plays at his best, it is fun to watch and sure. it's tough to defend. I do, I do think his shoulder looked, I mean, he can say whatever he wants. I watched right. some of those throws. That yeah, and the fun. amount of surgeries you have, the yeah. amount of hits you take on it. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So there's breaking news out of the NFL for the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, it has been announced, is out Monday with mono, um, a sickness that you're a little bit familiar with. So he's out Monday. Adam Gay said he hopes to have him back by week four. Um, which would be after a bye week for them because they have the Browns. Really a bummer for NFL fans because we were looking forward to this matchup between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Great billing on Monday night. He's not going to be there. Then they go on the road to the Patriots. Uh, before week four, October 6th, they go on the road to Philly. But obviously, the big concern is here, let's get Sam Darnold back to healthy. You've had mono. I never have. That sucks. What, it's, I, is it just you're lethargic? You're no energy? You're lethargic. You're no energy. Sore? Lethargic throat hurts like crazy. You can't really eat a lot because your throat will hurt so bad. Um, it was, the, it was, you know, I, it, it was really, I had it in high school. But my body, I lost, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, nine pounds. And as a high school kid that only weighed like 180, it was a lot of weight for me to lose just because I couldn't eat. And I was so damn tired that most of the time I just slept and tried to do something to make my throat feel better. The worst part about this for New York Jets. And it's Jets, weeks. It's yeah. Weeks. Well, that's the concern. Adam Gase, I think, is being very optimistic to say yeah. in a few weeks, three weeks, you're going to have him back for their you know matchup against Philly. The thing that really is hardest to, the hardest pill to swallow if you're a Jets fan this is such a critical year. Year two, another new system, yeah. but you're supposed to kind of continue the development as a rookie, and every single snap is vital. Every single defense that you've seen where maybe it's only the second or third time you've seen it, but the more times you're on the field, it becomes second nature. Sure. You get more comfortable. The only way to get that uh, improvement, to see that improvement, is to actually get the reps on the field, and you take those away it just it's a setback that the Jets really don't have the time for. I mean, they've they've been struggling, they've been trying to get out of this. Adam Gase takes over, brings in this new system. They've spent some money to give him some weapons like Jameson Crowder, Le'Veon Bell. By the way, if you have fantasy you have you have Le'Veon Bell, I think Trevor Simeon is the quarterback yeah. they're gonna go with. They only had two quarterbacks on their fifty three man. They'll obviously probably have somebody on the practice squad or they'll sign somebody quickly, but I would expect Le'Veon Bell is going to get a healthy workload this weekend. I need yes, all of that. I he's going to get that. No, I need not bounce gonna, back. He's not, he's not going to have the luxury of a, a spoon or a fork. Yeah. It's just going to be like my fire hose. He's going to have everything <laughs> coming his way in the game for the Jets this weekend. So a really devastating blow for yeah, them uh, in this season. Uh, but I think Le'Veon Bell, who was really impressive catching the football out of the backfield for the Jets, is going to have a massive uh, uh, play a massive role in that game plan. But it's just a bummer for NFL fans. For Jets fans, obviously, but Sam Darnold, who was pegged as, you know, hey, this is going to be a breakout year for him after a rookie season where he showed signs, the consistency right. wasn't there. And the worst part about it, he he kind of struggled, had some of those similar um, hiccups in their week one game. Right. You're like, as a player, if you struggle, if you lose, which they did, they blew that 16 nothing lead, you just want to get back on the field. Like, that's the only thing that can make that loss go away. Now he's got to wait that much longer. And obviously, you hope that he gets he gets back healthy but it is a brutal physical game we saw cam newton how exhausted he was or sure. you need to be strong you need to be healthy 
Because if you're not, you subject yourself to something else, possibly. If you, you know, lose weight, you can't lift. I mean, I'm assuming no, that no, he's no. not going to be in the weight room. Like he's you, going to be laying up in a bed. Yeah. Um, taking IVs if he can't eat. This is, this is laid out very minimal activity or exposure to anyone else type of sickness. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk Browns then. Terrible week one, Danny. We, we must said, win. I mean, like, is this? It? Are they winning this game? Is, does Darnold make the difference? Are they bouncing back? Yeah, because I think they're uh, Trevor Simeon. I like, but there is definitely a significant drop off. I believe Cleveland was already favored in that game anyway. Mm-hmm. This all of a sudden becomes absolutely imperative. Must win games for the Browns, or else it turns into a dumpster fire very quickly. You know, it's already we've already talked a lot about them. Uh, you know. They, they had all the attention, then they lay a dud. Baker does not play well, has the worst fourth quarter quarterback rating that we've seen in like five years. Odell, all we're talking about is a stupid watch. If they don't win this game, and I get it's in New York, but you have to win this game. Like the pressure is now, and I think they will. I do think it's going to be a really bad loss for the Jets, but if they don't, Oh my goodness. You're talking about DEFCON 5 like type of panic levels in Cleveland. Yeah. That would be almost catastrophic. I talked about. Them seeming like they were a team that wanted to prove uh, their worth to everyone in game one. And every throw and every play that someone tried to make look like the season was hinging on that throw. You're, you, you can't do that, right? Like that's, that's not the recipe to get where you want to go. The problem with it is to your point about them needing this win so bad, your natural instinct is going to be to double down on that. And that could get you in trouble even against the Jets team without their starting quarterback that people are expecting you to beat. Yep. You come in there and you're pressing even harder and you're trying to win the game with every play, not just throws, but runs or whatever it is. And you're not executing play by play, um, f- for the final to be a win. Uh, you can get in real quick trouble w- with the New York Jets team this weekend. Yeah, you definitely could. So it'll be a very interesting game to keep part of. CJ Mosley left that game last week for the Jets. So if they've got severe injury issues, again, it becomes that much more important. Sure. I mentioned the watch in passing. This is a story that won't go away either. We talked about it Monday right after. I think the thing that's kind of funny about it, mm. remember the first value we put on it was like, oh, he's wearing a $350,000 watch. Right. Then I saw like a some other show, they were saying it was a $250,000 watch. Then it comes out, and I think it's actually a $189,000 watch. Um, Joey found one like online that was $140,000. It's just kind of comical how it works. Um, what, what I think is probably the funniest thing about it is that Rafa Nadal wears the same brand. It's a $725,000 watch. Bubba Watson, the golfer, wears one that's a $850,000 watch. Funny thing about it. Who the hell pays $100,000 for a watch? I don't think Rafa does. I don't think Bubba does because they're both spokesmen for the people. They're ambassadors. I think Odell paid for his, which makes it like... Like, what are you doing, Odell? You could They definitely would have sent him one, especially they knew all the attention they were going to get for this one. I don't think he's a brand ambassador for Richard Mealy, I think is how you say the last name. <laughs> he's auditioning to be a brand ambassador? Well, I hope so. They should be but, sending him five watches for all the publicity they've gotten from it. My dude, I'm not. A, a brand, a, 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 a rep from the company said he bought it at a boutique. <laughs> He and went out there and played in a football. So he's game. given them all this free advertising. They they should send him a watch just for getting them the exposure that they have. Like it's unbelievable. How about this, and it's not that big of a deal. Have he's, a good hey, catch a bunch of balls this weekend, score some touchdowns, win a game. Exactly. Do that, and I ain't got nothing to say. I, about and it. he played the role of 
well, everybody just wants to talk about me. Because you're wearing a damn watch. <laughs> exactly. He's like, oh, this is my life. Welcome to my world. People just want to crush me for what I'm doing. You're right. You can make all that go away by not wearing a watch. And Who by else going wore out a watch ball out. last week? Um, I don't know. I didn't see anybody. No. no. Like, come maybe on, a man. punter. Like, maybe a punter on, or a kicker did. Uh, yeah, so it'll be something to keep an eye out for. I do think the you own, you own $100,000. What's your most expensive watch? For real? <laughs> Are we going there right now? I used to, I will say this. I used to have a weakness and it was watches. Oh, okay. I used so, to have like yes, five. What, what's your most expensive watch? 20. <laughs> but I sold it. I did not keep it. I still don't have it. You tell me you had one too, though. I know. No, sir. None? No, sir. Yeah, I have a, um, yeah. <laughs> See? It's and three thousand dollars. way more money than Three thousand dollar watch. Oh, get out of here. No, I seriously, that's my most that. expensive watch. I don't, I don't. I never really got into buying watches and I got into it. Like I was actually like, I actually bought them. I'd wear them and then I'd sell them or I'd yeah. trade them in. I was a watch guy, but That's now, okay. I mean, now that I have curious. kids and I was like, Oh, that 20 could go to pay for a tuition or could go for it's something right. down the road. Then yeah. I'm like, let me get that thing on eBay real quick. Uh, it's funny how things change in life. When you're a professional athlete, we've said this a bunch. Oh. It is a dream world. It is not reality. Once you're out, all of a sudden you're like, what am I doing with this watch? I'm like, I got hand. a $5,000 chain that I thought was really cool. <laughs> yeah. And that was expensive for me. Right. But I bought it. I was like, oh, this is dope. It sits somewhere in the house. I got it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Canal and Bell as we finish out on this Thursday. Kobe Bryant uh, took some heat over the last 24 hours or so. He's obviously coaching his yeah. uh, daughter's basketball team. So he does a fan. It's like great. You're like, hey, good dad involved. Kobe's just being a guy like, like we are. Right. Um, he's out there coaching. So he's posted some Instagram messages recently. Uh, I guess his team was pretty bad a year ago, right? Right. They had a game where they were up. They, he posted a picture last year. They lost a team like 24, 22. So he's like, two years ago, we lost the same team. And this year, as a picture of the scoreboard, they're up 115 to 27. (laughs) They're like, all right, that's the definition of a turnaround. He puts hard, uh, hashtag hard work. Yeah. Got a ton of attention for that. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to give a little bit more insight to my coaching. Okay. So we talked about the Mamba mentality, and he said that their team had finished fourth in a, t- uh, uh, in a, in a tournament, right. and he had, you know, in quotation marks, winners um, from a team that was from the past. And so then he kind of gave some details of the team, and he said, you know, hey, we've had a lot of turnover. Six of these players are on the team. The seventh player who was not pictured – Missed the game of this picture for a dance recital. So that should tell you where her focus was at this time. Now that one took a lot of heat. Like some people Why? were blasting him because they were saying, Oh, it's just, you know, fourth and fifth graders, whatever grade this is. Like, so she missed for a dance recital. People were giving him a hard time. Like, God forbid she miss a basketball game at that age. So Kobe actually responded to somebody. I actually respect him for doing this. He said, sorry if it came across as slight. Trust me, it wasn't. I was just giving the reason for her not being in the pick. They chose not to smile for the pick. I actually followed their lead. Our team has become family, and this includes the seventh player. Um, people were giving him, this is just kind of our society too. Uh, Kobe actually amended his uh, initial Instagram post to kind of clarify uh-huh. to make sure he wasn't felt like he was throwing this girl under the bus. Right. He gave a little bit more context on it where he said she wasn't in the right. Um, here it is. The day the seven player missed the game so that her, 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 her focus was. Oh, all right. So the seventh player not in this pick missed the game for a dance recital so that you should tell tell you where her focus was at this time. Meaning she enjoyed dance more than ball, which is fine. Now, question mark, 
she eats, sleeps, and breathes the game. Right. Like, I think, yeah, if you want to be, if you want to win and you want to be champions, then yeah, that's the mentality you have to have. If you want to go play a sport and have, miss it for something else, then you're just playing for fun. You don't care who wins, which is okay. Some leagues are like that, but if you want to be a part of a team that wants to win, you got to be, at least be there during the season. No, absolutely. And I don't even know why, like, why would anyone have a beef with Kobe just explaining that right. the seventh player was I guess wasn't they felt it was too harsh on the seventh player. When he was just saying where a, her focus a, was, was at the time. It was a yeah. fact. She chose a recital over the basketball game. Right. He didn't say anything like derogatory about dance or anything like that. For me, I was like, man, if he only saw my team that I was coaching. Do you hear stuff? Because I got a lot of that stuff when I was coaching my girls. Same age, fourth and fifth grade. I had a lot of conflicts. And we weren't good. Terms of and what? I would tell the parents, like, this is why we're not good. Like, oh. you guys don't have any de- dedication to this. I, I, there are rules on my team. My, my kids are seventh grade now. Um, and like you can't you don't miss my practices for no rec league for no soccer games or none of that like if you've if you've uh committed to playing on this team and i'm giving up my time for free to coach you and we're all in pursuit of this goal which is we're we're trying to be the best team in the country like that's our goal every year then we we got to be in this gym and we have to be working and that's just what it is danny i don't the listen i'm dealing with this on the youth football level right now um People that are in it to protect their kids' interests. Um, and just as in a broader scope, like the way we treat these kids now is, you know, if Johnny can't compete with Jimmy, then we got to hold Jimmy back a little bit so Johnny can get enough to make himself feel good. I don't subscribe to any of it. I don't think that's what sport is for. I really don't. Not competitive sport. There's a pecking order. There's a hierarchy. It's existed for forever. Yep. Don't mess with it. When you, I, I wouldn't come into your job and say, hey, man, You've earned four hundred thousand dollars worth of sales uh, on commission. I only got fifty thousand. I think I deserve some of yours because I can't keep up. Right? It don't work like that. Like in what world does that work? But in sport, they treat it like that. And on my son's football team right now, it's rampant. Like the daddy ball, the protecting of interest, the giving this kid more reps because whoop de whoop de woo. That's BS, bro. I don't subscribe to none of it. And I think it's I. <laughs> you know why? Because it's not the real world. It's not. Like when you get to the real world, there's going to be people fighting for the same job and they're not going to say, oh, well, you know, stop babying these damn kids. They're kids, not babies. Yes, they can handle. And there is value in learning how to lose and learning how to overcome failure and work. You can work your way to a better position. You want more playing time? Earn it. Work. Spend a little extra practice. Put in a little extra time and and you'll reward it then. And if you don't, Right. If you don't and you and that kid's still better than you, there's a lesson in that. You Absolutely. may not love it, right? But there's a lesson in that, right? Maybe you know when you're old. Yes, man. Yep. You're preaching the choir right oh, here, bro. man. Uh youth sports is definitely something we're passionate about, in case you couldn't tell. Uh more breaking news potentially out of the Jets, which could no. possibly mean damage for oh, you. No. They're having an MRI on Le'Veon Bell's oh. shoulder. So we will see what that means for them. CBS Sports HQ will have you up to date on I that in just a couple bad. minutes. All the Jets breaking news right now. We'll continue the discussion on CBS Sports HQ, and tomorrow we'll be here to react to the What grade are Kobe's girls in? What grade are they? I think they look like they're fourth, fifth, sixth grade-ish, okay, somewhere right, in right. there. So, yeah, they're still a little bit younger, but, yeah, man, they might need an assistant coach. You can go out there and do it. Nah, I want to get a scrimmage. I think they're too young for us. I get a little <laughs> scrimmage, man. That's right. All right. <laughs> we'll see you. Have a good game. Uh, have a good night. Enjoy the game tonight. Stay tuned to CBS Sports HQ for all the breaking news. Cool.